0: This podcast is part of the MyPodcast.com network. Go online right now and get your very own 100% free podcast, MyPodcast.com. Welcome to Kuden, the podcast for self-defense and martial arts news, interviews, techniques, and history. Hosted by Shidoshi Jeffrey Miller and Black Belt Eric White. Shidoshi Miller is a 12th degree black belt and master instructor of Warrior Concepts International in Sunbury, Pennsylvania. Shidoshi Miller's martial arts career spans over 25 years and has taken him around the world to train with some of the world's best martial arts masters. Eric White has been a student of Shidoshi Miller's for five years and holds a second degree black belt. Together, they will answer your questions, discuss techniques, history, and current issues important to you, the self-defense-minded citizen and the practicing martial artist. Submit your questions by email to C warriorc at warrior-concepts-online.com. All right, welcome back. Episode 2 of Kooten. We made it to a, a second episode. I'm Yay! <laughs> <laughs> you thought there was only going to be one. You were wrong, and we've been tracking. We know who's listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're watching you. That's right. <laughs> and uh, today on the show, uh, we're going to be looking at a, a few interesting topics. Bullies by the numbers. I, I found a little, a couple little statistics on bullies, and I wanted to talk to you about that. And and I know you've got a lot of good stuff uh, when it comes to bullies. You've sat on panels before uh, discussing how to
1: deal with bullies in, in, in the school and outside of school as you'll get into more of that. Yeah, you know what's funny is I can, I can see the people that are interested in like the whole ninjutsu, budo taijutsu or the self-defense adults and stuff going, uh-huh. oh, bullies. Bullies. I'm listening in for self-defense. Well, you know what? Bullies grow up to be adult bullies. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the same.
0: You know? uh, also, for the the ninja guys, of course. we're, we're going to get into the ninja katana, the ninja sword and how it differs from the samurai's katana, which is, uh, there is a, a lot of difference there. There is a difference, yeah. Even Absolutely. just from the fact of what, how it was looked at as, a, as, you know, the soul of samurai versus a tool.
1: Right, and we, uh, what we're going to take a look at is how, I don't know, the modern cheap swords that we get from, you know, um, XYZ martial arts group uh-huh. or whatever, uh, they make them all look the same. And um, here's a hint for everybody. We're not going to be talking about ninja swords are straight, samurai swords are curved. Uh-huh, okay? uh-huh. And, of course just like everything pre-Meiji Restoration, like back in the Sengoku Jidai, Waring States period, uh, every family, every lineage, every Ryuha had uh, their own designs, right? I mean, if you look at the samurai designs and stuff, the Shinden Fudori Sword looks very different from the mm-hmm. you know, Gyoko, Koto, Shinden. They all had their own little specifics, right? So, right, right. So different. So Togakure sword looked different than a Kumukakure sword. And, you know, it's not that there weren't straight swords. There wasn't what, it wasn't a curved straight. Mm-hmm. Take a look at a couple of these things. But, I mean, we could spend, uh, I spent a weekend, <laughs> two weeks, two weekends ago, just blowing people's minds with just the Togakure stuff. Right. And uh, that's going to be coming out on video. But, um, yeah, there's just way too much to talk about here. Well,
0: and this, this will help whet your appetite, uh, as you're listening to this for the upcoming camp, uh, that, that's going to be dealing with a little bit of the, the Ninja Katana. Camp? <laughs> oh right, great, right.
1: Ninja camp. Okay, so yeah. yeah,
0: and uh, also uh, we'll get into San Mitsu, the ninja's method of goal setting and attainment. Uh, that's going to be a very powerful segment on on. Yeah, you'll have to keep me. you have to
1: keep me on track with time because um, <laughs> that's another one of those things that once you get started, it just it's it can be overwhelming when you look at the material, but it is simplicity. Yeah. In Practice once you get it it's, I mean, it's like tied to it 's something just like tied you to once you get it, you just want to smack yourself in the head and go, how could I not get this right. um, I should have known that right I did know that right yeah Yeah. that 's one of the jokes that i've you 've heard me say this over and over again. One of my jobs is to uh, point out things that you 've always known, but you just didn 't put it in the self defense or you know, martial arts context and mm. you go i 'm paying for this, of course. <laughs> Of course, just like I did. Yeah. <laughs> Bruises, sweat, blood, money, whatever, you know.
0: <laughs> whatever it takes to finally get it. You know,
1: right? you know, some people just, you have to hit them with a sandal and they wake up. And other people, you got to hit them with a whole mudslide. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of good
0: stuff coming up on today's episode of Kuden. Got the news next. With the latest in self defense and martial arts, current events and information from around the world to you, this is Kuden News. First up, Bujinkan news. If you happen to be in Japan in October, not only are you lucky to be in Japan, but you're extra lucky because the Bujinkan is holding an embu, a demonstration at Fusei Benten, a temple in Kashiwa, on October 12th. This year's International Daikomiosai, the annual training event which also celebrates Soke's birthday, will not be held at the Budokan in Ayase due to some large events taking place there at the same time as Sokei's birthday. Tentatively, the seminar will be held November 30th through December 2nd at Kikoman Gym in Noda, and Soke's party will be held on the evening of December 2nd at the Noda-Tobu Hotel. News Corporation CBS recently paid a visit to Honbu Dojo in Noda City to film a report titled The Art of the Ninja Soldier. To view the story, log on to CBS.com and type ninja into the search box. As of late, students with bad manners have become a bit of an issue. All Bujikan students planning on training in Japan should be advised of a famous Japanese saying. The Japanese martial arts are a practice that begins and ends with a bow. If you're going to train in Japan, try to study the culture as much as the techniques. In WCI news, Shinobi no Akio Matsuri, the annual Fall Ninja Camp, will be held October 17th through the 19th. The theme for this year's camp is Togakureyu Ninja. The camp is virtually all-inclusive with lodging, meals and more included in the price. Some of the topics to study will include Shinobi Gitana, jutsu, Gotanpo, and Nimpo Taijutsu. To reserve your space at camp, call the academy at area code 570-988-2228. The Japan training adventure will take place again this year, November 3rd through the 17th. In addition to training with Hatsumi Sensei in several Shion, there will also be time for exploring the history, culture, and roots of ninja ancestry. Students will join Shidoshi Miller as he crisscrosses Japan, taking them from Honbu Dojo just outside of Tokyo to the seaside city of Kamakura, the old imperial capital of Kyoto, and Togakushi Mountain, high above the western city of Nagano. Be sure to contact Shidoshi Miller about reserving your space on this year's trip. Shidoshi Miller has begun branching out into the corporate sector to provide valuable instruction on defensive tactics against workplace violence. He's been invited to be a guest presenter at the International Conference on Workplace Violence in the Health Sector, being held in Amsterdam, October 22nd through the 24th. All right, we're back. Welcome to Kooten. This is episode two, and uh I am Eric White with uh, Shidoshi Miller. Thanks for uh coming in again. It's great that we have another episode to put out there for everybody. Well, wow, you told me I had to be here, so here I am. <laughs> how's it? How's this day work? I okay, just, I just I'll thought I like could
1: leverage it. You know, put my name on a product and uh, have somebody else do the work for me. Oh, wait, no, sorry, <laughs> I'm not like everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a facetious bastard, aren't I? Yeah. <laughs>
0: I wouldn't go so far as to say that.
1: Okay. No, of course not. I don't want to get beat up.
0: I don't... <laughs> Speaking of getting beat up, bullies. That's that's what we're talking yeah, about we in this segment bullies. today. Uh, bullies. Uh, I found some statistics as I was surfing the web and uh, came up with these, and I'll just rattle them off quick and we'll get into it, but 28% of students uh, in school reported Having been bullied at school during the last six months, 19% of students said that they had experienced bullying that consisted of being made fun of, 15% reporting being the subject of rumors, and 9% said that they were pushed, shoved, tripped, or spit on. Now, there's there's a lot here, and this happens to deal with just what's in school, but bullies go far beyond that.
1: Oh, of course. I mean, these people grow up, right? I mean, well, their bodies grow up, not necessarily their psychologies or their personalities, but... Mm. You know, just like with any attack, uh, we can study attacker psychology or we can study what makes a bully a bully or we can, you know, join support groups and all that. But uh, if we're going to uh, defend ourselves against bullies or defeat them, we really need to, in part, understand where they're where they're coming from. Not that that's going to help, but what we really need to do is is do a really good examination of why they chose me, in all honesty. Okay? I know parents are worried and things like that, and I know you have a, a news story you're going to bring up there, but... Um, We have to remember that attackers are very good at singling out their prey, right, their Mm -hmm. victims. Very, very good at it. So if there's bullying going on, we also have to realize that just because my kid's being bullied, okay, if I really wanted to be objective about this and really look at what's going on, there's a slew of kids in school or there's a bunch of people in the workplace or whatever, okay, that aren't being picked on at all. As a matter of fact, either the bully won't go near them or they associate with them, like they associate with everybody else. And these people aren't bullies themselves either. So um, what is it about the victim? What traits do they exhibit that tells somebody, tells a bully, that they make a great target? Or let's just say the bully's just kind of you know, doing the old shotgun effect and just throwing a bunch of stuff out there, right? How do, how do these people respond to bullying that, set, that tells the bully or tells the attacker, yeah, I, this, is, this is fair game? Mm. And so that's a huge thing. But your statistics there really point to what I uh, what I teach when I'm covering a bully thing. And like you said, I was on a symposium a couple of years ago. Uh, I was a part of a, a panel of five so-called experts that were brought in. And I say so-called because I really don't ex- uh, think of myself as, as an expert because I'm still learning. But, um, yeah, there were five of us. And um, there was a, a representative there from the whole juvenile correctional Side of the world. Uh, I was a representative of a program that was put together in schools for bullying and things like that. And um, yeah, we were all on the same sheet of music, even though we came from different realms. And um, we were all sharing the same kind of information. There was even a woman there from um, Women in Transition, Rape Crisis, that kind of thing, right? So um, why would you know why would they even bring in somebody like that if we're talking about bullying? Well. Because her, I don't care if you call it bullying, if you call it intimidation, if you call it uh, psychological manipulation or pulling on the heartstrings. I don't care what you call it, right? I mean,. Pick a word. We're just going to pick bullying for today, but attacks come in many forms. Mm. And uh, what I'm always telling my students on the floor, you know, especially those people that are practicing ninpo or, uh, you know, the budo taijutsu and stuff, and th- this is not just a physical thing. Eventually, you're going to have to transcend this thing instead of getting all caught up in the whole, oh, you know, look at how many techniques I know and things like that, and start to look at how, say, Ichimonji no Kumai or Sega no Kumai or any of these positions or techniques, right, are physical models for psychological warfare for emotional defense that kind of thing right Uh, and i'm going to deviate here just for a second because uh, i I really need to make sure that everybody feels included in this conversation because i know there's still people that are feeling disappointed because they signed (laughs) in for a self-defense kind of thing and they wonder why the hell they're listening to something about bullies because well that doesn't relate to them right and yet um, so let's take a look at, um, I don't know, Ichimonji or Sagan no Kamae, right? Okay. Um, for those people who know what I'm talking about, this is one of these defensive poses, right, where your body's very profiled to the attacker. You got this lead arm out there keeping them away from you, rear arms back here floating around your chest or your neck, uh, as a secondary backup for anything that might get past the first thing, right? Uh, you're very, very bladed, right? it's a typical martial arts kind of, uh, positioning, uh, although the form itself looks very unique to what we're doing, right? So, um, so there's this physical thing, right? So anybody can that can put themselves in that position just automatically figures, okay, I got it. Right? Mm-hmm. But the question is, what are you doing? And please don't tell me why well, I'm putting my feet in an L position and I'm putting my body flat to them and I've got my arm. Ex- I know, I can see that. Right? Mm-hmm. Any monkey can duplicate that. But what are you doing strategically and, uh, I don't know, philosophically? What are you doing and what are you presenting to the attacker, Right. What I'm doing is creating distance. I'm removing my targets from uh, their reach, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm putting cover and a shield out there to keep them from being able to get at me very easily, right? That's what I'm talking about. What are you doing, okay? Because if you come up with a henka or a variation, and that's a huge, hugely popular word in the Bujinkan, right? Uh I mean, oh, uh, what I did was a henka. (laughs) Did you now? (laughs) Okay? Well, as Hatsumi Sensei would like to say... uh, There's a huge difference between doing a henka and Uh, doing whatever the hell you want.
0: It's not just a catch-all category. It's not just a catch-all thing, yeah. (laughs) I
1: uh, I screwed that up, and I did this thing instead, and that's a henka. No, a henka is doing the same thing strategically, even though the form looks a bit different. Hmm. But you're still doing the same thing to the person. You're still controlling them the same way. You're still controlling the situation the same way. A henka is is just a variation of a technique that allows the technique name to remain the same hmm. okay so a, a variation of koku still has to be doing the same thing that koku is doing but anyway here's this <coughs> excuse me here's this uh ichimonji or sagon positioning we're doing this thing right and we're communicating with the attacker right so uh people need to get this right so what are we doing what's going on in a bullying situation, okay. Well, there are three types, okay, and our, our defenses have to match that, right? So, as your statistic pointed out, there are of course the physical bullies, right? The ones that threaten to punch you in the face if you don't give them your lunch money, or you right. don't do what they want, what they don't, you know, what they want. And I don't care if it's your, it's your neighbor who wants the lawnmower, or. You know, the one who lets his dog come over and, you know, do its business in your yard and, you know, makes you feel like crap because he did it, no pun intended. But you get you get the idea, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. It's a physical threat. Now bullying, we have to understand this. And again, I don't care what adjective you use or what title you use. And we all do things for our that that would be in our own best interest anyway, right? Mm-hmm. But generally in a in a social situation, we also understand the concept of negotiation and And fair play. I don't care if it's a marriage, relationship, friendship, or whatever. You know, today we've all agreed to do uh, this thing that I suggested, right? But the next time we get together, we might do what you suggested, right? And we're all just going to go out and have a good time. It may not be my thing, but I want to hang out with my friends and have a good time. I'll give it a shot. You know, I'm lousy at it, so I'll joke around about it all day long or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. But the bully or this person who uh, is doing this thing, it's got to be their way. It's their way or the highway. It's their way or pick one of these things we just talked about, right? They will, mm. they will attack you emotionally, they'll attack you psychologically, they'll attack you physically or whatever. All that matters to them is that they get what they want and they're willing to use force to get it. And I don't necessarily mean physical force, but we're talking about this guy here, right? Yeah. So here's the, I'll punch you in the face if you don't give me your lunch money bully, right? So right. The physical Which I think bully. for
0: most people is the stereotypical, when you say the word bully, that's the first image that pops in their head. Absolutely. That big kid in school who pushed you around. Absolutely. For your lunch money.
1: And typically yeah. that kind of bully is a male. Right. Typically, statistically speaking, you don't have all that stuff written down, but typically those are guys, mm. okay? Not that some girls don't do it, but it's typically guys, right? Yeah. Then the second type of bully are the psychological bullies, right? The ones that will attack you with words and, you know, insult your intelligence, uh, play mind games with you so they can show that they're wittier, smarter, or whatever, okay? Those, te- those people typically are not very physical people to begin with, mm. Okay, and we have to remember that bullies choose the tactic that they're best at, and they choose the tactic that they're better than you at. Okay, Mm. so psychological bullies generally don't uh, make, uh, you know, the high school wrestling champ feel stupid. Right. Okay, unless they're pretty sure that they're not going to get jumped. (laughs) <laughs> right that's wrestle yeah right but anyway there's a psychological bully right so there's the one who uh you know will insult your clothing they'll call you names right they'll uh i don't know pick something right it's it's about the whole psychology right getting you thinking and, and of course that makes you feel bad but then so does so does um Physical intimidation, right? Mm-hmm. So people often confuse that when I said there are emotional bullies because they go, well, you know, all these things affect my emotions. Well, okay, duh, right? <laughs> but what is the what is the bully attacking? Yeah. Ones are attacking your body and wanting to cause physical pain, right? Other ones are attacking your mind and or your person through the whole thought process thing, right? They want you to be confused or... Doubting yourself. Would this
0: be where, like, the, I guess, quote, guilt tripper kind of person comes in? Is, no. this, is this where they fit? Or is this no. – that, that's another guy? Kind of, that's okay. the other one, yeah.
1: This one is the one who – this isn't guilt trip. This is um, – <laughs> I told you you look good in that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, nice haircut, dude. You know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, right? Or, um, you know – so making I, you feel bad or stupid course, for your you decision. Know, I thought percentage. this test was yeah. so easy that even Bob could do it. Uh-huh. There's Bob sitting there, that kind of thing, right? Uh-huh. So it's those kind of things, right? Okay. Yeah. The emotional bully is the one that uses uh, uses weapons that we typically don't think of as weapons. Huh. Let me give you an example. If you really loved me, you'd fill in the blank. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, you know what, I, I really thought we were friends, but I mean, if you're not going to give me that thing that I want, uh, I guess we're not. Huh. You know, that kind yeah. of thing, right? Those are the ones that leave you feeling like, wait a minute, is it me? Am I really selfish and, you know, whatever? Or do they really just throw a huge manipulation monkey wrench in that whole thing yeah. and uh, put a condition on our friendship, that if I don't give them, if I don't do these things, if I don't act like a different person than I am, I'm worthless, wow. I can't be their friend, that kind of thing. Yeah, these people are using love, they're using friendship, they're using things that are supposed to be good, positive things, and they're turning it around backwards and using it on us. I'm sure right now that little hamster wheel in people's minds
0: is uh, that are listening right now is going insanely fast as they think of... Situations exactly like what you just said that they've run up to in their lives, and never thought about it as well, and, bullying. You know, and
1: you got to be careful too, because a lot of people's hamster wheels are going because they're thinking about times where they said or did certain things. And I know if your parents, right, we have to be real clear here, yeah. because I, when I'm teaching the kids, right, and I say, you know, because uh, they talk about, you know, good people are always nice to them, bad people speak mean, and you know, mm-hmm. kids are very black and white when it comes to that because they want the world to be nice, mm-hmm. right. The parent who is acting out of a sense of well-being for their child, not the one who says they are, but Mm -hmm. the ones who are actually doing it, right? So the kid's always in trouble regardless of whether they're harming themselves or their action would be harmful to other people. Mm. That's acting in the child's best – for their own well-being, right? But the parent who only gets upset when it's a direct – Uh, when it's a direct influence on them, or it only affects them, Mm. right? Uh, That's, you know, and the kid's in trouble with that, but if the kid does something and it affects somebody else, the parent laughs. No, see, now we have Uh, a different situation. uh, Do you get it? Okay. Same thing with kids do it, right? Um, I can insult you and laugh about it, but if you insult me, oh, it's a terrible thing and you're bullying me. Mm. Uh, No, maybe we were just quipping back and forth, that kind of thing, right? So it's the intention behind the action, it's mm. always the intention behind the action, not necessarily the action itself. And if you don't believe me, ask yourself, why am I studying martial arts or self-defense if hitting people is bad? And mm. yet we get out there on the floor for an hour, two hours, for a seminar, or whatever. Smack the crap out of each other. Throw each other down. Apply okay. pressure points. You know, those kind of things. Get our partner to squeal or worse, right? Yeah. And we laugh about it. We're having a great time. We come back and do it again. Yeah. Yeah, really. As a kid, we were taught, don't hit. Right. Only bad people hit. Well, see, that was the the baby lesson for a kid who doesn't understand those kind of things, right? When we, as adults, we understand that nice people don't hit other nice people not trying to hurt me. Yes? Okay. That's the full adult lesson. But we, we just need to put these things in context. So the bully is using force of whatever form, and they're using it because they've either gotten away with it before or they've already identified you as the personality type or the type of person that they can use that on, and it'll work.
0: Now, quickly, as we move through this uh, segment, you said that the guilt tripper kind of it falls into this, what, this third category? Yeah, the
1: emotional bully. Absolutely, okay. yeah. Where they're really toying with your emotions. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is a primary assault on the emotions, not like the psychological or the physical one, where the emotional response is the secondary effect, mm-hmm. okay, because with the psychological one, there's the confusion, there's the, hey, wait a minute, kind of processing it to get it to happen right um and the physical one you know there's that oh, i don't want to get hit kind of thing so there's yeah. there ends up being as a result depression and and those mood problems and things like that but with the emotional one uh, we're really in a different category here they're they're attacking your heart mm-hmm. okay they're not this is not they're making you feel stupid they're not making you feel silly they're not making you feel inept They're not making you feel whatever. They're making you feel guilty because you are a selfish, self-serving individual who won't share your stuff with other people. Mm. And why would anybody want to be your friend if you're that cold-hearted? Wow. Doesn't that leave you wondering? Wait a minute. Whoa. But they didn't come out and say that. They didn't say you're stupid. They didn't say you're cold and insensitive. That's the psychological guys. Mm -hmm. Okay. What they said was, I thought we were friends. I, I thought... I thought you loved me. I mean, if you really loved me, you would give me flowers every Thursday, or you would... At what point did our relationship hinge on the fact that I would do this action all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't know that that wasn't a contract kind of thing, right? Um, So they leave you guessing. And in my book, those are the folks that are the hardest to defend against, because it really sounds like they're acting in the best interest of the relationship. Mm. But once you really get down to it... now if somebody says, you know, if you really love me, you'd stop doing crack. You know, it's affecting our, our relationship. I, I can't be, I can't expose our kids to that. I I don't want some drive-by happening at our house or whatever because, you know, you pissed off somebody or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't have that happening. Mm-hmm. That's not bullying. That's somebody, yes, yeah. they're acting in their own best interest, but they're trying to get you to see, hello, wake up, right? Right. But for somebody to say, you know, uh I really thought you loved me, but uh, you know, if you won't buy me that Ferrari, then uh, you know, all bets are off there, bud. Do you know what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So what you have to look at is the intent. Is what they're saying us-oriented, me-oriented, or is it all about them? That They won't be happy, and therefore, we don't have what we supposed to, or what we're supposed to have if they don't get what they want. Wow.
0: A lot of great information there, Uh and you can always find more. The website, warrior-concepts-online.com. Check that out. Find out more and submit questions, C warrior-c at warrior-concepts-online.com. You can email your questions uh, to Shidoshi Miller, and he can give some tips. Maybe you're running up against some of these bullies, whether they're uh with your kids having problems or even yourself, maybe in the workplace, because uh, as we got into a little bit there, bullies just aren't, it's not for the kid realm. It's... Adults and, and everyone else can fit into those categories. So, so great stuff there. We're coming back with another great topic next, uh, the ninja katana. So uh, all of you uh, itchy ninjas out there that are waiting for this good ninja information, that's on the way. Going to talk about the differences between the samurai sword and the ninja sword. That's coming up on Kuden. To some, martial arts is a hobby. You learn a few techniques, some history, a word or two in Japanese, put in time and hard work, and bingo. You earn a black belt, but few know how to truly protect themselves from real danger. Ask yourself, what kata helps you escape a burning bus or building? What waza stops a carjacker? Think outside the dojo. Get real solutions to real danger with the DVD Danger Prevention Tactics by self-defense expert Jeffrey Miller. Whether you have no martial arts experience or you're a 10th degree black belt, you will learn ways to spot, avoid, and protect yourself in a number of real situations that are all too common but never trained for in the dojo. Order the DVD, Danger Prevention Tactics from Warrior Concepts International. Visit www.warrior-concepts-online.com or call 570-988-2228. Danger Prevention Tactics. Protect yourself. Like a pro. Okay, we are back with our second segment of Kuden. uh... This is our second show. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Eric White with Shidoshi Jeffrey Miller, the man with all the answers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no pressure there. No pressure. Nice. No pressure. Getting your butt kicked for that one.
0: <laughs> I, I, I want to lead off this film at eleven. <laughs> if uh, you don't hear from me, send help. <laughs> I want to. I want to lead off with a, a comment that. Uh, you received from one of your students recently um after uh, the seminar that you had just was it a week ago uh yeah about two week, weeks ago about two weeks okay. ago um this comes from james alexander he says i wanted to say thank you for the great seminar this past weekend it was a great wealth of knowledge and training it was a bit overwhelming and even frustrating at times because i just couldn't seem to get some things uh though i know i wasn't supposed to understand it all then and do it perfectly in a weekend If you could learn it all and do it perfectly in a weekend or two, I guess everyone would be a ninja. The frustration and confusion just fuel my want and need to train so I can do it well and I can understand. To me, this is just another reason why the nin kanji can be translated as persevere or endurance. The training teaches you to persevere and endure through all the confusion and frustration to find the answer and the way. You don't just have it handed to you. I think it also works as a way to separate the true warriors from those who are just playing warrior a couple times a week. Anyway, Ouch. great seminar. <laughs> great <laughs> seminar. I look forward to attending many more along with my classes. It's time for me to get back to serious training. NIM Boy con, respectfully, your student, James Alexander. Uh, uh, nice nice little piece there from James. Yeah, yeah a little any- thing
1: about James. James is a really good guy. Um James is not one of those guys that, uh, you know, always want to be a ninja since he was uh, six. And maybe he did, but um, <laughs> he has uh, rank in uh, at least one, if not two, other martial arts. Hmm. So he, he's been doing martial arts for a long time mm-hmm. uh, and really got good at some of this stuff, right? He considered opening a school and things like that and then found out that I wasn't that far away from where he lived. Um, he does have to drive more than five or ten minutes, for those of you who uh, are just looking for the local school, <laughs> yeah. regardless of the quality of the teacher. But anyway... Um, but um yeah james is uh james is a good guy so getting a comment like this from somebody who is quote unquote a, an accomplished martial artist and and you know has some techniques under his belt uh to come in and go wow you know nobody nobody explains it like this and that kind of thing um either uh either i'm doing something right or I'm really good at throwing the poop, huh? <laughs> yeah, but uh, that, that's a good thing. James, uh, he, he is a loyal supporter, and uh, as a matter of fact, he's helping me uh, get the word out about camp and Kudan and stuff like that. So, Great. yeah, he's a good guy.
0: Well, it was just such a good comment. Uh, you know, from that student perspective, he echoed a lot of what a lot of students out there, I think, feel that are really serious about training. There's those times that you just run up against that wall of, man, I'm not going to get this, or it's just this is really tough. But, you know, keep going because I-, I will get it.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. If I can get it, <laughs> trust me, anybody can get this stuff. <laughs> Although I, there's lots of high-ranking people that have said that. <laughs> Sometimes you get it in spite of yourself. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, and if you have comments as well, be uh, please send them in. Again, that email address, warriorc at warrior-concepts-online.com. Uh, this seminar that James was at a couple weeks
1: ago was the... Um, Ninja Secret Sword. Right. Yeah, and, we covered the Togakure sword stuff. There was going to be a little bit of that stuff at camp, uh, but not nearly to the extent, I mean, uh, that we covered during that weekend. I, I just, wow. I pulled out the plugs, pulled out all my notes and went... Let's try this one. (laughs) Wow! (laughs) See, that's what you're missing if you're not
0: making the seminars. You're missing this insanely huge dump of information uh, about these topics. So definitely check the website for upcoming seminars.
1: Well, the the upside is we we did videotape it, and uh, we just put now we put a camera in the corner, so it's not like you know uh, we got in there close and close (laughs) and personal stuff. We put a, a digital camera in the corner and videotaped. Uh, most of the techniques and stuff like that, so as soon as we get all that edited it 'll be available mm-hmm. so that people can get that information but absolutely, I am not in the business of producing you know some entertaining video or whatever mm-hmm. um don 't pay me to entertain you you know you want to do that hire a magician hire you know get a jetly video or something like that mm-hmm. you want to learn something uh you want to take some of the stuff that you 've already learned. And run it through my filter of growing up on the mean streets or being a cop for a couple of years and, and not dying at the hands of somebody who was not going to jail or not having their income flow interrupted. Uh, yeah, then we can talk. Okay. Um, Hatsumi Sensei's always made it a point to, to tell people, go find people who have been in those situations. I don't care if they're a white belt, black belt, or or whatever they are. They may not know as many techniques as you know. They may not uh, be able to teach you this art, but the one thing they can give you that no one else can is they can give you the knowledge of how you better be training Mm -hmm. and what you better be training to deal with. Mm -hmm. Unless you're in this art for just aesthetic reasons and you're just, you know, or you've got this dream of being a 16th century samurai or ninja or whatever and you just feel all depressed and everything because you were born a couple hundred years too late. Um if you're really looking to keep this stuff alive and, and and be able to use it the way it was designed to be used. And I don't mean with a sword in your hand against a samurai in 16th century Japan. I mean defending against an enraged attacker who has the capability of removing you from the world very, very quickly. Okay? If that's why you're being a warrior or you're doing it because, I don't know, call it a superhero um, personality or whatever, but you, you, you really want to be able to develop the ability to help other people who can't help themselves, who can't defend themselves. Mm-hmm. That's that's a cool reason, too. I mean, that's you know that's that warrior ideal, right? right. If that's what you're doing, okay, great. But you've got to find out what's behind, you know, what's, what's the psychology of these techniques. I mean, just having the techniques in a dencho or or somebody pointing them out step by step or, you know, the fact that you can uh, mimic the sanshin or whatever. If you're not gleaning those techniques, you're not gleaning the why out of them or training with some kind of... Uh, situational psychology going on, right? What's this guy's intent, okay? And you're training. Uh, Let's pick Koku again. You've you've learned Koku step by step. Great. Now, how would Koku be used against uh, you know, the boxer kind of guy? How would it be used against the wrestler kind of guy? How would it be used against the guy who is just shoving you and trying to plow you into the ground kind of, you know what I mean? Hmm. You have different attacker psychologies. These guys, they, they plan on doing something very specific to you based on what works for them. This is not about just standing in a room or standing on tatami and this guy lines up in a pose and throws a punch at you and you move away and you do step one, step two, step three. Of course it can be done that way. But what's the purpose? Why are you doing it that way? So you can look good? So you can feel good about being able to duplicate this thing that you know has been written down? Well then you're no different than uh, any other martial artist who's just basically acting like a museum curator, right? These things were passed to me and in my museum I will make sure that they are never changed. And it's not about changing them, okay? It's about bringing them to life, okay? Yeah. Life was reduced to ink on parchment. It's your job to pull the ink off the parchment and bring it back to life, to reconstitute mm. the dehydrated lesson. Right. I just made that up. That's my son. Just- <laughs> but that's, that's really what's going on. These masters who were able to do this stuff, they didn't have videotape. They didn't have anything like that. They reduced it to written word and drawings
0: mm-hmm.
1: in kind of a way to, very in, in a shorthand way, convey some ideas. And then they passed it on to students one-on-one. But the written record, it's just a reminder to yeah. somebody who has access to somebody who can show them how it's done. Mm. And then it's your job to be able to look at this stuff. Hatsumi can do it. He buys scrolls from you know used places and things. And he buys scrolls and, and explores these things. And running through his filter of knowing how this stuff is supposed to work and, and other historical research and things like that is mm. able to reconstitute the lesson and go, ooh, that's why that lineage died out. Yeah, they were kind of flawed there, right? To really make that work, it needs to be done this way. And, you know, talking about since they did the same thing, um, you know, if we're just taking it at face value from whoever's presenting it to us, I mean, that's like the blind leading the blind. And if you study Buddhism, that's the first link in the 12-fold chain of dependent, co- to dependent origination as to what causes our misery, right? Mm. We follow somebody who doesn't have a clue either, but since we're blind and we got a hold of their coattail, we just think they know where they're going right right uh sorry doesn't work that way mm. okay it's not always good to listen to somebody who uh has actually been there because we don't want to we don't want to run into the idea that what we believe to be so isn't mm. you know one of my friends one time we were talking about a lot of the philosophies that people have you've been on the forums mm-hmm. right and oh just a bunch of rats running around and you know everybody's trying to uh convey their belief system. I don't go on them because it's just... Nobody answers the students' questions. Mm-hmm. But um, we were talking about this stuff and he just kind of chuckled. And he said, yeah, you know what? I'd just love to see any of these people go back to 16th century Japan, go into one of these little inns, like on Togakushi or whatever, go into, the, go into this little thing. And the guy's sitting there enjoying some you know, miso soup and some tea or something, right? Mm-hmm. And let them expound their theory about what's really going on. And you know what? If this guy's who I believe they were, he's going to stand up, pull a sword, and go, you know what, just take your sword and try to cut me down. And after we're finished, I'll answer your question. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So stop talking, start doing, right, and go from there.
0: Speaking of uh, kind of visiting back to the history uh, a little bit, the the ninja katana, how does it differ between the samurai sword and the ninja sword? What what are the big things that stand out difference-wise?
1: What part of history are we talking about? Oh, that's threw a monkey in the wrench. All right. <laughs> uh, we'll ju- I'm just going to make this a global, generalized statement, okay? Yeah. All right. Were there straight chokuto-style blades like we see in the movies and stuff? Yes. kumugakure's sword was like that, except it had the sur- almost like the... Um, uh, Sawtooth serrations on it and stuff, right? So that mm-hmm. was a very crude kind of blade, uh, required a whole lot of taijutsu behind the cutting, but that was also designed around dealing with Kamakura era uh, armor and things like that where you had to cut through lacings and get in there and, you know, it was this sawing really messy kind of things, right? Mm-hmm. But if you look at the Togaku sword, It was curved, right? It was just a shorter blade. So there's lots of different historical things that I've dug up, uh, you know, on how these things might have happened. You know, the ninja being outcast families, so they didn't have access to top-notch swordsmiths. So, you know what? They rounded up broken blades on a battlefield and refashioned them. They, you know, whatever, okay? But during certain uh, periods in history, like the Sengoku Jidai, and and where a lot of our stuff was put down uh, on the record, one of the primary differences was the kisaki, the cutting edge of the blade. On a samurai sword, the kisaki usually only ran about a third of the length of the blade. Mm. Okay? So when we look at catching things with, uh, with shuko and things like that, right? No, that blade was not going to cut through that metal band because it wasn't sharp there. Mm. Could you get nicked? Could, you know, of course, somebody can get cut with an unsharpened Piece of metal because it's like a wedge, mm-hmm. but the kisaki was not full length. Mm. Okay, like you see today, everything whether it's a ninja sword or a samurai sword or whatever, that yeah. cutting edge runs the entire length. Mm. Now, yeah, they're also sharpened in grinders, like you'd cut your, you know, sharpen your butcher knife in your kitchen. Yeah. they weren't; they're not sharpened like they were originally sharpened. Right, mm-hmm. uh, where the ninja sword, the kisaki did run the entire length. Mm. Okay. Uh, length of blade right the, the samurai sword if you 're looking at the at the saya the the scabbard of the, of the sword you 're looking at just a, just a little bit longer than the length of the blade right mm. uh, sa- uh, ninja ninjato right uh, probably about twenty percent twenty percent shorter okay uh, that gave you room the saya though was the same length as the samurai sword well, why would you do that? Well, it goes back to Kyji Tenkan right disguising truth and falsehood. this guy sees my Sword, the uh, tsuka, the ha- the handle, mm-hmm. right, is the same length as a katana. Okay, uh, the saya, the scabbard, it's the same length, right? What's the assumption? The assumption is I'm looking at the same thing I'm carrying, and I can get mine out pretty damn fast, so I stand a really good chance here. Except that when the ninja draws a sword, his blade's coming out faster because he's not drawing the same amount mm. of metal out of there, right? That also gave him some room at the end of the Saya for uh, Mitsubishi, uh, blinding powder, hiding messages, whatever. Okay? Mm-hmm. Oh, the, uh, the tuba, the handguard, right? On a samurai sword, the tuba was really thin and ornate. Okay? A lot of people believe that it's designed to protect your hand against an incoming sword, right? Well, right. You've, you've learned the difference there, right? Mm-hmm. Not true. Right? A katana that hits that is just going to go right through it, chop your hand off, and it's a done deal because the metal's too thin right it's It's a hand guard because it keeps your hand in a battle when you're all sweaty and you got maybe rain or blood or whatever slicking up your tuka your your handle right and you run into somebody and you stab them and you maybe hit something that causes your sword to come to a stop that tuba keeps your hand from sliding off your handle. <laughs> onto your blade right? yeah, it's huh. a hand guard for you the ninja tsuba uh generally thicker right broader uh, because it could be used as a step right the sword was uh the sword was often propped against the wall or whatever uh the sageo, the the cord on a ninja toe uh, much much longer because it could be used as a trip wire um if i'm gonna run up a wall or whatever i can put my sword against the thing take the sagio and throw it up over the wall use the Tuba is a booster step, right? Get up over it, and then I can use my saagyo to pull, it, pull the, the sword back up to me. But I think the biggest difference is in how samurai and ninja viewed their swords. I think that's the, the the biggest difference. And I think it's the biggest difference between, uh, you know, the general martial arts and ninjutsu at all. It's the mindset. It's it's how you view your techniques and what you're doing and why you're doing it right it's it's the mindset it's the, that's what makes a ninja a ninja not the fact that you can you know you can throw stars or you can do whatever techniques from whatever lineage or whatever okay um it's mindset okay samurai that sword was a symbol of their family and their power and their prestige and their status and things like that right it also was imbued with a certain life of its own, right? It was given; they were given names and right? that kind of thing, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, if that sword got you know, damaged or broken up or whatever, I mean, it, you might as well just kill yourself, right? Because you allowed that to happen. Right. It's almost a almost a deified entity, right? Right. Where the ninja sword was just a tool; it was just it was something for accomplishing a, a goal, a mission, a result, or whatever. Um, it's not that they didn't put any importance on their weapons because, of course, you want to treat your weapons well so that they don't backfire on you or they don't, you know, you don't cut yourself or you know, whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, th- it wasn't a foolhardy thing. It was, look, this is a tool, okay? And that's why wh- my first teacher of this art, uh, Stephen Hayes, regardless of what you think of him, um, he really presented this stuff to us where, look, don't, don't get ca- caught up in favorites. I mean, you can like certain weapons and things like that, right? I mean, I have an affinity for, the, you know, the long staff and the Kasari Fundo and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, be careful because you need to see this as just a tool. If you lose it, great. Grab another tool, right? What are you trying to produce? What results are you trying to get? What are you trying to do, right? This tool is supposed to help you, mm-hmm. right? But another tool can do the same thing, right? Yeah. So it's, it's the mindset, right? <laughs> uh, I have a
0: funny memory about that, that at, uh, at a camp. I believe it was a spring camp that I was attending. And uh, one of the breakout sessions started with, okay, everybody go grab a weapon. And there was a pile. Everybody brought Bokken and stuff. <laughs> right. Yay, we got to grab weapons. Of course, yeah, everybody's man. eyes get wide and we go grab stuff. Yeah. Everybody's got a staff or a Bokken. And uh, one of the visiting Shidoshi, Shidoshi Tremblay, had um, a clipboard in his hand. And it wasn't until he did a technique and used that clipboard as his weapon that, you know, it kind of shocked everybody in that. Uh, dear. Our weapons right. don't have to be the Bokken or the staff. Right. You know, even a clipboard in the hands of the right person makes a great weapon.
1: Right. So, part of the lesson for that that training event was the universal your universality of your techniques, right? Of your of your things. It's your body movement fueling everything. You just kind of adjust for the weapon length and things like that, right? So, grab a knife, grab long staff, whatever. Uh, if you got a knife and you're defending against the guy with a staff, well, you're going to have to understand the disadvantages. Of a staff wielder, mm-hmm. right? because you know, learning any weapon—I don't care if we're talking about nijikatana or we're talking about the long staff or a firearm or whatever—right. Everybody tends to focus on the advantages of having that weapon because bringing a weapon to a fight tips the advantage in your favor, unless you bring a knife to a gunfight, right? The distance mm-hmm. is way different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's also the disadvantage to having the weapon, right? If you're only a shooter and you're not, you can't use that firearm for anything else, right? There's a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. You have a finite number of rounds to engage the target with and if you suck as a shooter you can't miss often enough to win or maybe you're great on the target range but under pressure and you check yourself the next time you get into an argument hmm. all right, if you just get all chaotic and just yell whatever and you're just like firing the comments in any direction or your muscles stiffen up or you shake or whatever um, think about how that translates in a stressful situation when somebody's shooting at you or trying to pound your face in or whatever, okay? Um, you may not be just as, you may not be as good as you are on that competition round, right? hmm So, um, yeah. At, well, that was part of the lesson, right? But the other part was, remember where the weapons were? We just threw everything on, on the ground, but there was a bin nearby. It was a plastic tote, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, the instructors were all wearing ball caps, Right? Yeah. and yeah. stuff like that, and some of us didn't move, and everybody just ran for the pile of what? Weapons. weapons. The ones that had the title of weapon, right? <laughs> those are of weapons, course. yeah. So, of course, it's, it's those eye-openers, but, you know, people like to believe that the weapon somehow makes them, you know, this superhero martial artist. It makes them better, more powerful, or whatever. Uh, that's not true. Mm-hmm. That's not true.
0: There are a lot of great experiences to be had with the camps, Uh, Fall camp coming up. Find out more. Log on warrior-concepts-online.com. Find out the info. Find out how you can get signed up. If you're already signed up with the newsletter, check your email. Uh, That has come out recently as well. And uh, if you missed the recent seminar uh, on the Ninja katana, you can get more info. Keep your eyes on the website for an upcoming video as it, it was recorded. And uh, there will be a little bit of this at the upcoming camp. So find out more warrior warrior-concepts-online.com. We're coming back with our final segment on San Mitsu, the ninja's method for goal setting and attainment. Coming up on Kuden. What is the karate myth? find out why most martial arts programs fail their students when they need it most. Get the most hard-hitting manual on the subject of self-protection, The Karate Myth, by self-defense expert Jeffrey Miller. Learn how a fight really works and what experience is needed to survive a brutal assault. Learn how to ensure your safety in a violent world. Get the ebook, The Karate Myth by Jeffrey Miller today with additional bonus materials by logging on to www.warrior-concepts-online.com or call 570-988-2228. The Karate Myth, the truth about self-defense. All right, we're back with our final segment of this episode of Kuden. Eric White here with Shidoshi Jeffrey Miller. And, again, the website, warrior-concepts-online.com. That's where you can find an entire wealth of information and how you can further continue to find out more and uh, even participate with videos, camps, and seminars coming up at the school or become a member of the school yourself if uh, you're local enough to do so. Uh, our final segment today is about San Mitsu, the ninja's method for goal-setting and attainment. And I just kind of lead this off with uh, a sort of personal to me. Uh, I went with you on the Japan Training Adventure back in 2004, and that was... I have no recollection. (laughs) (laughs) of. I remember nothing. Uh, I have... um, That's an important part of my life because it was the first time I ever really set a goal for myself and attained it. That was a big goal. And it was a big goal. And up until that point, people say, well, that's the only time you ever set a goal for yourself? I mean, I'm a college graduate, so somebody will go, well, you graduated college. I mean, that's huge. But... That, in essence, for me personally, was more something I did because I was told that's the way you do things. That's the right way to do it. Eric, son, get an education. That's you right, know, and, right. and so it was... It wasn't so personal a goal as I want to go to college and and get a degree. It was. just like I, I want to fly this. halfway
1: around the world and and do some research on some this of uh, this thing that I think is just freaking awesome. Yeah, but it's going to cost me a lot of money to do that.
0: Exactly. <laughs> it was just so much more personal for me than anything else I'd ever come up with. And saving money for me at that point in time was like I don't know how to save money. <laughs> I just get it. It goes in one hand and out the other. And but
1: uh, so to do that was a huge thing for me. And, yeah, and I don't, uh, I don't think anything about it. I go twice a year. Yeah, I just, I have this belief system that the money will be there when it's time to pay the, pay for the Everlane tickets and stuff like that. And you know what? Even during lean times, and sure enough, somebody comes in and goes, hey, I want to buy that, and sure enough, it's like more than I needed. And right, I just, I don't know. The universe is good to me.
0: But you know, I, with this, I attribute uh, a lot of that success to training mm. at the school and particularly being exposed to this concept of Sanmitsu. Hmm. You
1: know? hmm. Very old thing. Uh, sanmitsu literally means triple secrets, right? Uh, and it's part of the Mikyo um, I don't know, secret knowledge, secret doctrine, whatever you want to call it. And for, um, for what, you know, there's, there's a split kind of group out there uh, in the Bujinkan and in martial arts in general and stuff, you know. Half the people believe that, um, you know, this guy that brought this stuff to the Western world, you know, a couple of decades ago made it up. Other ones believe that, uh, you know, we're interjecting some kind of religious things into their training and they like to be a happy atheist or whatever. And uh, Other people are way okay with it and they just feel that, you know, if there's something out there that can make them more successful or give them more personal power or whatever, uh, they want to explore that thing. Um, leave the names off of it and, you know, let's just take a look at what it is. And that's, I, I'm one of those people, right? Uh, do I study these other things? Absolutely, because I feel that anything that can advance me, move me forward or whatever, um, it's its worth exploring, right? Even stuff that people are doing that I don't believe in. But you know what? If they're producing results with that thing, how can I not believe that it works when it, they're doing it all the time, right? Um, what I may come up with is, you know what, they're doing it in a way that, I don't want to do it, right, or, um, yeah, that would make me uncomfortable because uh, they're using people or whatever, okay, Uh, so it's an ethical, moral kind of thing, but if people are producing results, I mean, that's who I find is role models, right, I find people who are doing, acting, and living the way I want to, instead of reinventing the wheel or thinking that I can do what I do faster, harder, or whatever, and it'll somehow produce results when it's not, um, that's just, that's insanity, But the Sanmitsu, Triple Secrets, has to do with being able to channel your thoughts, your words, or your planning, and your actions all in the same direction. The secret is think about what you want, plan to get it, and or talk to people, tell people that you're doing it. Put those words out into the world and stuff like that. You may be talking to somebody who can actually help you, right? Spread the word, right? And um, uh, plan for it to happen. And uh, where But I start with the doing? or do I start with the intention? I don't know. I'm having a short-term memory problem at the moment. Um, but do the things necessary to make it happen, right? So we have this thought, word, and deed. Uh, thought isn't necessarily the thinking, planning thing. It's kind of weird the way they put this stuff together. Thought is actually the intention. It's actually the pre-thought. The English words to translate a lot of these concepts, very, uh, they're very handicapped. Uh, we don't have the, the same words that they do for things. Um, but Mitsu that, that one of the secrets of the San Mitsu is that everybody's successful. <laughs> okay. Everybody's successful. Everybody's successful. Right. In the dojo, oh, you've seen these mandala they have on the wall or mm-hmm. these uh, uh, little, um, I don't know, they're called diamond thunderbolts, but the little Vajra, uh, you know, some have one spike on them, one have, some have three, some have nine, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, we you know, tell everybody their meditation devices or, you know,. Uh, They were designed to be used as weapons. We talked about that some other other time. Mm -hmm. But um, one of these things has three prongs, but it's double-sided, right? There's three on one side, three on the other, right? Um, Well, that actually represents this whole sanmitsu concept, the Mm -hmm. channeling of thought, word, and deed. Because if you look at those prongs, they don't all flare out on their own little angle, pointing in three different directions. The middle one points straight ahead, and the other two curve back in and point right back at the same point, right? Mm -hmm. So it's this point right off the tip. That all three are pointing at, or in the uh, Tibetan versions, they all come together, mm. right, on this fixed point, right, and that's the point. Uh, <laughs> but they're two-sided because it, it represents the same concept as the yin yang, right? Mm. Uh, this uh, complementing opposites kind of thing. Okay, so success there is positive success, and there's negative success, right? Well, how the hell can there be negative success, right? Well, positive success is planned success. Mm. Right, I planned on those results happening. negative success is it happened, but there was not really a whole lot put into it. Mm. Um, we could say that it accidentally happened, but all the factors channeled thought word indeed to make it happen. Here's an example. I talk about this stuff all the time, right boredom right <laughs> If you stand around or sit around and your body's in this slumped position, ugh, right. And you're moping or moaning or sounding like, uh, or even uh, talking like, ah, there's just nothing to do, right? And you're thinking those thoughts, right? Ah, nothing to do, right? Congratulations. You are successfully bored, right? <laughs> Congratulations, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, you know, it's the same thing as you know, f- uh, falling in love or whatever. I mean, pe- most people are accidentally successful. But they're generally successful in directions that contradict other things, so they're not really channeling their life in the direction they want it to go. Sure. Uh, we learned this lesson in combat, right? Uh, your kumai is the physical manifestation of your strategic intent or your intent to win mm-hmm. and your strategic psychological uh, communication or playing out of this stuff uh, on how you want to set this guy up, right? So mm-hmm. just, there's intent to win, obviously, right? or there's this Zen mind of just watching and waiting for what he's going to do so that you can be there in the moment for it, right? Mm. Um, There's the strategy, okay? If somebody invades my school, depending on the classroom that we're in, because we have two, right? Right. Depending on the classroom that they're in and depending on what I'm going to do with this person, so if they come in and invade and want to attack or whatever, okay, if I'm just going to escort them back out the door, I better be doing techniques that move them in that direction as a result and not just doing whatever I want because I may be moving them into a corner mm. or pinning them on the ground or backing myself into a corner or whatever. So there's this strategic manipulation of the situation that the actions feed, right? Mm. So it's real-time study of this stuff, and then we can put it to work, like I said earlier in, what was it, uh the first session, we were talking about how we want to be results-oriented, right? Right, right. So, <clears throat> with this Sanmitsu, uh, students do this all the time, right? right? Students tend to emulate their teacher. I can prove this, right? I used to wear a red T-shirt under my black ETOP, hmm. okay, in class because we had everybody in black uniforms, right? Yeah. And... um I actually did it too because my teacher used to wear one, right? And we chuckled about this years later, but I used to wear one. And the students had to wear, uh, students were told to wear black t shirts, that kind of thing, right? Yeah. But students started wearing the same kiahan leg wraps I was wearing, same tabi, Mm. right? Same red t shirts. The whole idea was there's a sea of black uniforms here, right? People need to be able to find me, so I'm going to wear an off color t shirt, right? Right. Yeah, except that people started wearing red t shirts. So what I had to do (laughs) in my school, and a lot of people didn't like it, was I had to put a rule, right? Master instructor wears a red t shirt. The instructors or staff assistants wear blue ones and the students wear black ones. Right? So now everybody accepts it that way, but there was no way to keep track of it because everybody was trying to emulate this guy or that guy and wear Mm -hmm. whatever t shirt, you know, because they were trying to walk, talk, and act like their teacher. Yeah. Because they wanted to be like this person. They wanted these skills. Yes. So it was the same idea. Okay. We inherently get this, but often it's just like training, we don't make the correlation. That oh yeah, I already instinctively do this kind of stuff, but we don't do it intentionally to produce the results that we want. So the idea with Sanmitsu is we have this role model person. Okay, it could be I don't know, it could be an actual actor, it could be a character from a movie, it could be one of these Buddha uh, enlightened states, uh, mm-hmm. you know, from that kind of thing. And no, that, we're not talking about worshiping here. These are these are manifestations of personal ability, right, mm-hmm. without flaws. So. Then as we act in the world, instead of being us, whenever a problem comes up or we're doing a technique or whatever, okay, we think about, okay, I'm going to borrow the word Buddha. Hopefully, I don't shake too many monkey cages. But anyway, um, people will be jumping on their hamster wheel again. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, instead of saying, okay, uh, how do I solve this problem? What we say is, hmm, how would the Buddha think about this? Not what would they think, how would they think about it? Because what you think is a product of how you think. People that think negatively typically, right, I mean that's just their default mode, speak and think in negative ways using negative words, but it all comes out of this negative perception on the world or themselves or whatever, right? Those people who speak optimistically, it's the way you think, right? Mm. So not what would they think about it, how would they think about this? Mm. How would they speak about this or how would they make plans to solve this and how would they act in this situation, so sometimes, you know, you need to be direct or brash or whatever, and other times you need to be soft and compassionate or whatever. Mm. But it's the idea is to produce the results, right? So, and, you know, if you're not into that, right, maybe your role model is James Bond, right? Okay. Because like, I want to have this cold, calm demeanor under pressure and the answer to whatever situation is going on. So I do that, mm-hmm. right? How would Bond think about this? How would Bond speak this way? Not that i become a John Connery, you know, well, Monty Python—it's not yeah. about that. Right. It's about right. how would this character, how would this this model think, speak, and act hmm. to produce results. And martial arts students should get this. They should understand it because they're trying to—they're trying to simulate their teacher all the time. So the trick here is to take control of this thing we do all the time, and instead of producing successes that are haphazard, accidentals, we understand that. We must put our thoughts and our intentions on a goal, plan and strategically operate, speak or whatever in that direction and act in accordance with that thing. So if we say it's important to get our black belt or it's important to train in this martial arts or important to get as much as we can out of our ninja training or self-defense or whatever, then we don't sit behind a freaking computer screen. Reading stuff all day long, we get off our ass and we go to train, right? Mm. We find a teacher that we can get lessons from or we, you know, make plans to be at a seminar. We make plans to go to class. We rearrange our schedule and we, you know, it's also called right effort, right? Prioritizing things. So mm. do what you say, say what you're going to do, but you're only going to do that if your intention is in place too. So Sanmitsu, thought, word, and deed all channeled in the same direction. I intend to do things. I tell people that's what I'm doing. Not I intend to do it. Well, when the hell are you going to do it then? Right? Intention is nothing. I'm doing that thing, and then you move your body in that direction. Hmm. Right. So,
0: I mean, having those all line up is just so so powerful. It's in, like and, magic, isn't it? And, yeah, and being able to accomplish whatever goal it is that you set in front of yourself. But at the same time, it, it sounds so simplistic. But I know for me, at first, it's it's tough to. Get all those things lined up at first what? to to really go. I really intend to do this thing, but then to have the plans and the actions come into. Yeah. But think about, about how you
1: were happen. raised. I mean, not how you were raised. This is not about your parents. I know your parents are cool people, uh, but think about think about the society that we were raised in. Right? Yeah. Okay. Um, how how did our role models act? How did the people who were adults teach you how to be adults? Right. Hmm. This is not about those people individually, but did you or did you not run into a bunch of people? who were constantly making plans to do things or saying they were going to do something. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And they just never got anywhere. They just talked the talk, right? How many people did you run into that were always in motion? They were always doing something. Mm -hmm. But today we call it ADHD because they were all over the place. They're doing this, now we're doing that, over there. They're not doing enough things to move them in any given direction. They're just afraid that they're going to be called lazy, so they're just doing nothing but wheel spinning, right? Right and how many people did you see that you know just talk to good show right yeah. so you got the dreamers right. they had thought all down right you got the talkers who are telling you about all this stuff and weaving these wonderful stories and that's all they are storytellers and then you got the doers who are doing nothing but jumping on the hamster wheel and it's just going in a circle they're running their paws off yeah but the wheel's it's a fixed wheel they're running in place mm-hmm. yeah? so it's mm-hmm. very very different
0: there is so much more to this, and you can find out more and get more of the answers by going to warrior-concepts-online.com. And uh, there's been uh, many articles that are out there on the web, too, that that you've written, some that get back to this, some that cover uh, many, many other topics. So be sure to search for those and look for those on online as well. Again, warrior-concepts-online.com. Any questions, the email address is warriorc.com at warrior-concepts-online.com. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Kuden. Uh, We have another episode coming out here very soon. Be sure to check back and look for it. In our next episode, we're going to be looking at covering some uh, really important topics like safe travel, some safety tips on what to watch out for when traveling. I mean, we live in a post-9-11 world, and everybody uses that as a buzzword to say how things are different and when it comes to travel, but really... A lot of dangers have existed in traveling
1: forever. forever. And I'm going to talk about the the, um, the illusions that a lot of people have, you know, about following pre-described safety things and how... Mm. They weren't designed for your safety. They were designed for compliance, and following some of those things can actually put you in more danger than not. A lot of the stuff's on the Danger Prevention Tactics videos. So, right. Yeah. Right. If you want to get a little up on that before the next
0: episode, you can uh, you can look for that and order the Danger Prevention Tactics video online. Warrior Concepts Online dot com. Also, uh, coming up in our next episode, look for Inton Jutsu, disguise and impersonation. There's a lot to do with that, and, and some of this. Going to
1: be covered at the upcoming camp as well. Absolutely. Uh, as it's, part of the ninja skills. Matter yeah. of fact, we, we were talking about the whole Batman thing. So, yeah. Um, I want to talk about that again because there's a big controversy about his voice being different. Yeah. But we'll yeah, yeah, we kind of got a
0: little off air discussion when we started earlier today about uh, Batman and why his voice is different. And so look for that to uh, to come up in the next episode of Kunin. And also, I uh, want to talk about the compassionate warrior. What is the warrior's view on compassion? Um, and I'm wondering, now that we've talked about some... In the first episode of KU, we talked about what is success to a warrior. In this episode, we talked about Sanmitsu and kind of an avenue towards accomplishing what it is success. And later
1: on, in some other episode, we're going to talk about respect in the warrior's eyes as well. Ah. Uh-huh. You know, because they always talk about respecting... Um, you have to respect even your enemy. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, let's make sure we're not talking about kindergarten respect. Because <laughs> respect takes on many different faces, just like compassion. So, yeah, I can't yeah. wait to talk about I- that I'm wondering about thing.
0: how that kind of ties in with the, almost... I didn't intentionally do that. I guess I should have, but just as how these topics are flowing, it, it's it's yeah. it's sticking out to me. So, lots of good stuff coming up on uh, upcoming episodes of Kuden. Again, visit the website warrior-concepts-online.com. You were saying there is some uh, I just to put look up for. a free
1: uh report that was a a report. It was actually a, an anthology of some uh uh Articles that I had written in the past about, uh, that whole concept of self-defense and fighting smarter, not harder kind of thing. It was originally for sale for seven bucks. I sold it to a bunch of, bunch of people, um, got great, re- uh, reviews on it and stuff like that, but I decided, um, to put it out for free for just a little while, right? So the top of the webpage, there's this flashing thing that says get your free self-defense report kind of thing. If you click on that, you, uh, type in your name and your email address and stuff like that, and it'll send you, uh, an email by autoresponder. Click on the link, download this, uh, this uh, free report, okay? Very cool. Uh, it's not going to be free for a long time. I'm going to be circulating through some of the stuff that I have, uh-huh. uh, giving people a chance to to sample it, because you know what? Most people don't know who I am. I mean, a lot of people that are listening to this do. A lot don't. And, you know, how am I different than anybody else? So uh, I'm going to play like the dope dealer guy, you know. <laughs> free I'm just kidding. Um, but there's the idea, right? I mean, here, take this, read through it. You know, if it makes sense to you, check back with me. If it doesn't, it was nice talking to you, mm-hmm. you know. Everybody's got to find their own path. Right? That's the cool thing. One of my teachers likes to say this. The cool thing is that free will is an operation. You can do anything that you want. We wouldn't suggest doing some of it. But you're in control of your life. You can do anything you want. (laughs) Wink, wink, (laughs) nudge, nudge.
0: Awesome. (laughs) All right, look for the next episode of Kudin very soon. Thank you for joining us on this episode. As always, really, uh, I want to welcome your comments. Please send them in, warriorc at warrior-concepts-online.com. And thank you for joining us for Kudin. Thank you for listening to Kudin the podcast for self-defense and martial arts news, interviews, techniques, and history. For more information on upcoming martial arts seminars, camps, and classes, call 570-988-2228 or log on to www.warrior-concepts-online.com. That's 570-988-2228 or www.warrior-concepts-online.com.